0: You're listening to Pass the Cell podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, and recorded live on twitch.tv. TV. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hello. Just been yelling about music at Danny nice. for a whole minute.
1: That works. That works. <laughs> okay. Welcome to Pass the Cell podcast, everybody. Welcome in. Today really it's live. not just it's not just me and Duke. We have a guest. Thank God. Uh, but welcome Pass the Cell podcasts. My name is that Dutch geek. I'm 33. <laughs> nice. And uh, how about our guests just, you know, introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do?
2: Oh, oh hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Denny Brandt. Uh, ignore the T in my name as that's a little misleading, but that is how it's spelled, but it's not how it's pronounced.
0: <laughs> I still um, trip over
2: it. <laughs> and like, I totally get it. Like, it's <laughs> so not what people are used to because though my name is... Pronounce denny and it sounds like an english name it's not actually english so it's it, it gets a little confusing um but uh i i run my own uh channel about dungeons and dragons content i've got a podcast which i recently did a recording with dutch yeah. um the episode that sir dukes in is coming out next friday like i've next i've been friday? getting in nice. touch with yeah yeah i've been getting in touch with people
1: and uh love talking about uh tabletop and roleplay hell yeah. I got to say uh cuz it's still fresh cuz it was only a couple days ago but I had a blast recording that yeah, podcast me too, dude. uh with you. And uh and Ethan I, and uh um, I
0: got to say I'm st- I I want to get on again. I just
1: uh <laughs> Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. I bombed that fucking game we played at the end, but hey, you know, that's what it is. We had uh, we had some interesting conversations about world building and it was fun to see how like we all kind of had a different approach but also drew a lot of similarities. It was really cool to see. It was a, it was a good talk. It was a good talk mm. for sure. Yeah. Um, so chat before we get into anything, uh, exclamation mark Dicely, if you at any point want to check out any of, his, of, of, his socials, uh, it's there at his Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and his, uh, pod bean for the podcast. Go hit that stuff up because it's, it's good content. Great. Straight content. If you're into D D or nerdy tabletop stuff, definitely recommend checking, uh, checking it out for sure it's a good time yeah yeah and
2: uh, and another nice thing about like this podcast is i've started reaching out to people who also play tabletop and like getting because like i've got my like regular crew of guests on the podcast and then like you guys have recently met through uh through connections and it's it's nice to like bring other people in who don't know each other and like get everyone together just meet people Mm -hmm. within this community because it's it it's there's just so much stories to share, and it's just a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've just, never uh, met uh, Kraken before. Uh, we uh, we did that podcast recording. He's a he's a cool dude, so it was fun.
0: And like, I mean, I mean, it's fair to say, Danny, you've got such a like positive energy, such a like yeah. g- a good vibe. You surround yourself with great people, so it's obviously great. to sort of intermingle, I guess, with mm-hmm. with that community as well, because. We're a bunch of shitheads around here oh yeah we are we
1: are <laughs> like it's crazy how like typically you can you see like tabletop communities are are very like very positive and very and dude when we're not doing anything D related we're toxic pieces of shit bro. i mean it's, you,
0: it's wild me soko and uh and koiba were on all together and i mean you probably got a little slice of just <laughs> we just rag on each other dude it's it never ends me, me, i feel it's like me and ethan i feel like me and me. ethan
1: like we behaved, I feel like we we, yeah, we you toned pretty, it down. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, just be yourself, dude. I mean,
1: yeah, but like I was like, I, you know, I still gave him shit for saying dumb <laughs> dumb stuff, but not as much as I usually <laughs> do, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I can't, I can't, I yeah, I I guess I toned it down a little, considering how much of a bad time it's. Soko and Koiba is so easy, it's so easy to <laughs> to rag on, dude. So I I would say yeah, maybe it's a little a little more contained. Than usual but um yeah it's, it's r- really yourselves. nice yeah yeah i guess so <laughs> it, it, but it is nice to sort of uh cross pollinate i guess with uh uh and sort of a, a group that shares interests but uh, is a little you know diversifies the, the personalities a little bit right like we're, we're yeah. all very at each other's throats for the sake of comedy and yeah. on the danny side it's, it's wholesome everyone's supportive it's beautiful, you know. It's it, it, it's a great thing to be a part of. Um, so, obviously, I mean to to sort of jump into the the brief sort of questions we have prepared because <clears throat> we like to waffle a lot. I think I mentioned this to you when I when I first offered to um to sort of have you on because like as, as soon as we had anything set up, I was like, well, we 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 got to you know reciprocate, right? We got to have you on as well, um, without a doubt. So I, I mentioned to you it's it's not quite as it's not quite as I I guess I said professional. I don't remember exactly, but it's like it's not quite as structured, you know. Um, Right. Usually it's just Dutch and I, like a stream of consciousness, waffling on about, like, whatever comes to mind. Um,
1: Yeah, we'll have, like, certain topics in mind, but in between the topics, it's a lot of waffling. It's a lot of just... But we um, we figured... Having Random a guest,
0: stuff. you know, button up the top button and <laughs> maybe put on a little clip-on tie or something. So we, we have a few <laughs> questions, and one of the main, obviously, overwhelming um, similarities between us all is tabletop RPGs in varying mm-hmm. degrees of experience. Mm-hmm. So how how did your, your personal journey into tabletop RPGs begin? So I... This is
2: also funny because, like, this is something I ask, like, my first-time guests on my podcast. And as the host, I haven't really had the chance to answer this. So there you go. This is... Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, an interesting turn of the hat, I guess. Um, But, yeah, so my my trip into tabletop RPGs, I guess, started with... uh, Much like you guys, like, I'm big into video games. Like, I love video games. But once I got into tabletop, I definitely became more into that like i still like video games but it started with knights of the old republic on the xbox i
0: love that game it
2: classic It's such a good game like my my brother and i we were we had gone into like an eb games which is uh, a game store in canada and we they, they had this like little station set up for uh star wars battlefront and we played it for like 10 minutes we were like We love this game. We left, but we forgot to remember what the name of the game was. (laughs) So we just started buying a bunch of Star Wars games every time we could. And one of those games we accidentally bought was Knights of the Old Republic. And we put it in. He tried to play it and he was like, oh, this is totally not the right game. And I played and I was like, this is complicated. I want to I want to learn what what this is, because it has like your yeah, it's got your like ability scores, your feats on level ups, like great narrative, making choices, and I was just like, this concept is brilliant, and I didn't I didn't quite piece together that this was the same formula as tabletop role playing games, um, and eventually in high school, some friends at lunchtime one day were just like, hey, we're gonna get together play D and D fourth edition, um, we're making character sheets on this. Um, on this laptop that one of our friends has, do you want to join in? I was like, sure, I have no idea what's what that's like, but I'll, I'll hop in. Wait, I'm just going so,
1: to interject real quick. Your first D&D D experience was 4E? Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. Holy crap.
0: <laughs> but hey, th- you could only go up from there. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> true, actually, yeah. I think we had a similar, a similar talk about, because uh, obviously when we, when we were on with you, um, we mentioned where we all got started. And yeah, fourth edition gets a bad rap from what I've heard.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Kotal's an amazing game. Um, it's f- it's funny you should mention it because I had a friend who had two Xboxes, right? One of them was chipped and oh. the other one, the disk drive was broken but Knights of the Old Republic was installed on the hard drive. So oh. that's all that Xbox was for. And that's like <laughs> all you needed, dude. Like Like, we had stacks of like awful... Pirated Xbox games, but that one Xbox with Coaster on the hard drive was that that was magical. That game, it, that game is so good. I, it was BioWare, right? Like yeah, yeah, early era, yeah. But peak, because definitely almost peak,
1: almost peak. Like it had yeah. it had that classic uh, what now is the classic BioWare formula with like oh player choices matter. Uh, you yeah. always have to like you know you have like the good guy playthrough, the bad guy playthrough, or like pick pick and mix whatever the hell you want to do which is now mm-hmm. very like that's basically they're they're like yeah, USP, part of the USP RPG at now, this yeah. point for for bioware they do it in dragon age they do it in mass effect they do it in everything now but uh like nice World product was definitely like that that's when people i think that's kind of what put bioware on the map as well for a lot of people's like yo this is yeah probably
0: because it was a very pure rpg experience i think for for console as well because i mean we you'd seen there were like fallout the games and obviously Baldur's Gate as well, but I don't think um, I think KOTOR just kind of stepped it up for for a, like a licensed game too. I mean that era was kind of I guess like a renaissance for Star Wars games because the the prequels were not long since out. So there was like Star Wars Battlefront, like you said, which is obviously an amazing game, uh, and Star Wars oh, yeah. Battlefront Two, um, KOTOR was amazing, KOTOR Two also amazing. Um, that. Starfighter was that one and like Rogues not was it rogue squadron? There are there are a lot of really good Star Wars games. I oh, now yeah. I'm thinking about it I'm starting to think of bad ones and I know there were uh, <laughs> plenty of bad ones because they were licensed out of anything But there were definitely a surprising number of good ones for, for as far as like movie games go, you know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean even S- Star Wars Episode 3 Revenge of the Sith the video game was actually quite good fun to play <laughs> yeah
0: i think i think similar things are said about the one and two just because like you you do just play through the movie right and although special effects and like cgi weren't really in their prime at that point mm-hmm. when you put stuff like spinning lightsabers around in a video game like it's a perfect thing to put in a video game yeah, yeah. so um, so even I played, though, just the title games
1: i think those, those games came out like a, a few years after that but um what's it called the Force Unleashed, where you, like, play yeah, as... Yeah, Force uh... Unleashed is kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Bad guy, bad guy, man. What? Who's the fucking guy that voices him? It's, um... Oh, dude, he's huge. What is his name? <laughs> I mm-hmm. want to say Mark
0: Hamill, but I don't think it's Mark No, Hamill.
1: no, no. It's the same guy who does uh, the main character in uh, Motorcycle Zombie Apocalypse game, uh, Days Gone. Oh, he's man. Also a t- he's also a TV actor. He does a lot of D&D stuff as well. Fuck. What's his name?
0: Vin Diesel? No, 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 no. Um... <laughs> these are solid guess, though. <laughs> the Iron Giant.
1: He's, um... What's his name? What's Jack his name? Black. What's his name? What's his name? Just Sam Witwer. Oh, right. He, uh... He, like, voices, and he's still, like... I follow him on Twitter, and, like, every once in a while, you hear him, like, tweet about, like, yo, force on each second sick, dude. Because he, like, really passionately loves that game, even though he also has, like, the main voice role in that game. Uh, also a big nerd, by checks. the way. I think, doesn't he have, like, credits on some D&D books as well? I'm pretty
0: sure. It's a deep dive.
1: Yeah, this is. A de- I'm pretty sure. Sam Whitwer, Yeah, Dungeons Dragons Arts and Arcana, a visual. Like, he has some some oh. D credits as well. Interesting. Enough. Yeah.
0: So but that's like fourth the fourth edition Star Wars game I played. Okay, you can both educate me here because I'm still not I'm not fully, <laughs> in the in the, loop. But what is so bad about fourth edition? So
2: 4th edition was, uh, especially in comparison to what we've got now, where 5th edition is very free form. It's very much like uh, it encourages creative thinking. Um, 4th edition was kind of like you built a class. And though classes in 5th edition give you features, 4th edition kind of gave you like powers specifically. So it's like you can activate this power and this is what it does. Like if you're a fighter, you've got a whirling blade so you spin in a circle and attack everybody it really limited like the flavor you could give to your abilities and your powers um yeah yeah so there was there was a bit of a restriction a bit more of an emphasis on like you got to have a battle map because everybody's got to know where everything is because all the powers are so critically about um knowing where your opponents are and the tactical
0: right
1: uh 4e but, yeah, also has a big emphasis on combat and roleplay kind of got downplayed because combat was super extensive and a bunch of extra rules a lot of math like combat encounters would take hours like just average combat encounters would take like hours and i'm not even talking about like boss fights and stuff where and and roleplay it was very like it limited you a lot within like just the rule set it gave you like there, there's a lot of um i i i i compare it to Pathfinder a lot where it's super mm. there's so many like systems you just don't need you know it's uh not a fan not a fan
2: yeah Pathfinder is definitely a big crunch that was that was a second system I went into and it's more akin to d and d's three point five because it has so much to it there's so much crunch um mm. but i mean fourth edition wasn't all bad there were like the way i describe it is it was a necessary step to get to where we are now like uh, they introduced skill challenges in fourth edition which i think is a great idea um then there was also uh there was a second thing that was good from fourth edition and i don't <laughs> ah um the way they like kind of categorized their monsters and their npcs there was like minions there was solo strikers um controllers like they had these kind of labels that I think helps categorize things a bit more. And especially minions. They're just like, this is a monster. If it get hits, it dies. That is so satisfying for somebody who knows
1: Fireball. And I'll use that in 5th edition. Yeah, but 5th edition has a similar rule where it's like, um, oh, I forget what it's called. But as, 5e has a similar rule where it's like, there's an army of 200 skeletons, and if you hit, hit them, whatever gets hit, they die. Uh, I know we've used it a couple times in, uh, in in our campaign.
0: Oh yeah, well I like forget, you, you um... have you have a large number of something, and they basically have like a shared. No, it's kind of like a
1: swarm rule. No, no, no. It's um. Oh, fuck. Soko is in chat. Soko will probably blurt out in chat. He knows what I'm talking about. But um... hi, Soko. Um. Fuck. Similar also, thank system. you for the
2: other compliment, Soko. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Soko's just here to kiss ass, dude.
0: Straight Um. Uh, up, it's like you you said. It's it's almost uh, I don't want to say a necessary evil, but definitely a necessary step to sort of evolve the the tabletop game to get where we are now. It's kind of like every alternate installation of Windows, right? It's like we wouldn't have Windows Ten without Windows Eight, and you wouldn't have Windows Seven without Vista. So I guess we wouldn't, yeah, we wouldn't have Five E without whatever happened with Fourth fourth Edition.
2: Yeah, I mean you get your feedback and uh, you improve based on that, right?
0: Yeah, I yeah, it's fair. I I I've only ever played 5th edition and I've heard See Pathfinder does sound really interesting to me because I like um low fantasy settings, right? And Pathfinder is is a little bit more gritty than than 5e and maybe a little less fantastical, or at least that's my impression of it where um someone said to me that pathfinder you're you're more like just an average person whereas in dungeon in fifth edition you're a hero right so it's like yeah it's a little bit more gritty and and realistic and and challenging i think uh, is is the impression that i have of pathfinder and i don't think i would object mm. to, to trying it out and i think that's where critical Role started right before they switched i think they, switched yeah, systems, they started right? when they started streaming it
2: they started in a Pathfinder game and moved over to f- uh, Fifth Edition when yeah. they decided they wanted to stream it. Um, yeah, I don't think I played enough of Pathfinder to make that um, assumption about its system. Mm. Uh, but what I like, what I thought was great about it was character creation was so in depth. Uh, like you could pick. I think my first character was an Undyne, which is uh, what Fifth Edition is considers uh, a Triton, so just like an underwater fish person. And th- they had like here's what the race is, but also you kind of have some points and each of your abilities is worth a certain amount of points and you can swap for some other abilities that we've also got for this race that aren't just part of the initial race. And so like, uh, say you don't like the idea of being to camouflage underwater. Well, you could swap that three point ability or something like that for another three point ability. So I swap it in for I've got acid breath now. Like, it was
0: just so yeah, much more customizable. That actually does sound sound pretty cool, I'll be honest. <laughs> like a little po- point-by system for various perks just to have right from the off, especially from from the sort of perspective of your your character race. Because right now, other, other than, like, we, uh, we discussed this before, but changing, being able now to change your race origin or whatever it is so you can sort of shuffle around your stat bonuses and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there isn't a whole lot to... Really customize without, I don't know, splurging on additional source books and stuff. Dutch, did you find out what the rule is?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's the mob rule. So basically, what that entails mobs. is uh, um, say your party is surrounded by like 20 orcs or, or 50 skeletons, however big. You basically, uh, the amount of enemies determines okay, if I roll 1d20 and I roll enough to hit, uh, X amount of mobs will hit their attacks, the rest will miss uh, based on how many mobs there are our total and it goes the same way uh, the other way around if say uh, you roll to attack and you hit uh depending on how much damage you do say like every every like 10 points of damage you deal at higher levels or every like 5 points of damage you deal is one mob dead uh, oh. basically that's kind of how that works so kind of it's kind of it it's for like large for you'll see that you'll 100% see that come back when we uh, do D&D the, over the next few weeks when we like because you're about to like siege a yeah. fucking city so it'll be city. a like, large scale battlefields that's when those rules come into play so you don't have to like roll initiative for 30 fucking guys and roll to hit every single one of them yeah and, like and, that, and i guess
0: that sort of it's like it's like a lord of the rings fight scene right you know yeah, you you, you do enough damage you're a hero and they're minions yeah. so you killed x amount and you are basically just aragorn slicing through urux and yeah, exactly. you know or, or whatever right and then yeah that that must be called a flavor as well because yeah, it's not like rounds get any longer. You just you just messed mm-hmm. up like ten dudes in six yeah, seconds. Exactly, like, exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So
1: like it's for instance, you know, Aberant because he's like front guy has big sword. He'll just like slice and just like chop five heads off yeah. in one swing. Shit yeah. Like that, you know? was really Oh,
0: cool. oh. Here, really okay. Cool. First, first major deviation, but <laughs> and I've I've spoken to you about him before, Dutch, because he was he was Frisian. There was a guy. Yes. Uh oh, there we go. A barbarian, oh, a real life barbarian. Okay. <laughs> from what is now the Netherlands, but it was uh, obviously at the time like Gaul tribes and Germanic tribes. So this guy was like seven feet tall and he was called Groot Pierre which just means like Big Pierre. And he was renowned for wielding a sword that was seven feet long, being able to behead multiple people in a single swing, And being able to hold a coin between his thumb and middle finger and bend it with his index finger like this guy's like a real life D&D <laughs> boss dude yeah. they they wow. found his sword like it's it's in a museum somewhere or something and it is it's two meters long it's ridiculous <laughs> and there's like there's like a statue of him uh, uh, man i need yeah, dude I need to make a a character sheet dude Barbar- <laughs> barbarian
2: i guess it's interesting like what pieces of history like just seem like they shouldn't exist yeah. and right. then they do and you're just like that's that's gonna be some great inspiration for some fiction right here absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I, I
0: mean it, it, it obviously was i mean stories about like you know woad warriors and like the celts and and people like gros or what you know, one Roman or something sees a guy that big and he tells his homies about it, there's gonna be rumors that turns into legend or mythology of giant men that wielded enormous swords. And it's like, obviously there's not much to go on, but they have his sword. There was a guy big enough to wield that sword. Whether him bending coins or beheading multiple people in a single swing is true, could just be folklore or legend. But he had a sword that big, so he must have been a pretty fucking big dude. Born around 1480,
1: mm. died in 1520. Frisian warlord, freedom fighter, conqueror, and folk hero, Pierre Gerlofsdonia. There you go. Yeah. Like, Damn. And he, he was. He had
0: a shibboleth, I think they called it. So oh, yeah. uh, the, the Netherlands was split between like Friesland and I guess they just called it the netherlands i don't know but there's some subtle differences between frisian and dutch or probably some some broader differences but i'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure uh, but they had this thing called a shibboleth where it was like a password and if you could say this phrase it would prove that you were frisian and not yeah. the other guys so they wouldn't kill you and it was like B- butter bread and green cheese. I, something. Some, it's like butter bria and green cheese. Something. Something. Fris, or something like
1: that. Is geen fris, if yeah. you
0: can say it, you're frizzy yeah, or something yeah. like that, it's like re- it really funny the re- little wow. factoid. Like how does it, how does <laughs> who is who even was he? How does he have so much history? This is just, I don't know. What, but, uh, uh, yeah, apparently,
1: his helmet is kept in uh, a museum in his like birth town in in in, fr- in fr- Frisland up north.
0: Oh, man, it's pretty cool. So yeah, there cool. you go. That's Pierre Golathonia. Real,
1: real life barbarian, dude. Real life Sick. barbarian.
0: <laughs> Goliath barbarian.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Seven seven feet tall, bro. That's that's a tall man. Tall man. That's I, I just want to throw onto this as well.
2: For like for anybody who does tabletop like I think I think it's so crucial to like go back and find like historical legends and myths and mm in some cases just interesting historic facts like this because it's such an ins- an interesting font of inspiration for your games like and though you might watch like game of thrones and be like oh i'm inspired by this but my players might see the connection if you just go to history <laughs> there's so few oh, players mm. that are <laughs> there is such historic shit out there like <laughs> yeah
1: so oh, yeah. denny mm-hmm. you got started in 4e do you remember what kind of character you made Oh, what was your yeah? My first my first character was a
2: changeling warlock. Nice. Um, I think they were a warlock of the fiend. Ooh. Um, Hell yeah. I didn't really get to know the character personally, uh, very long because I think we played maybe three or four sessions. And at the time, like this was my first role playing experience, so I didn't really invest into the character all that much. and fourth edition, being what it was, Mm -hmm. it was about the combat. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I liked the idea of being a character that could transform. And initially, I was thinking of going shifter, but I think I, the world or the the changelings just seemed so cool. I was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta do that. Changelings are. I play the changeling. Cool. I yeah, still do. He plays do.
1: changeling at the moment. So yeah.
0: I'm uh... <laughs> way overboard, but. Uh, yeah, you did. It's but it's fun experience.
1: because 5e you get you actually get the role play, super overboard, and that's dude, it's fun. It's fun seeing yeah. you do your thing. I'll be real. <laughs>
0: Um, I feel like a changing Warlock is that intimidating, I guess? I would have been intimidated for my first experience. (laughs) Was everyone new? Were there any, like, who'd been playing for a while? Any, or was it just like a whole group of your friends who none none of you had any idea what was going on and just figured you'd you'd throw your sort of hat in the ring? Um,
2: as far as players went, I'm pretty sure all of us were new players at the time, except for the Dungeon Master who had played in some other people's games. So he had like he had all the books he needed he knew how to wrangle us up and kind of manage us but his narrative style was so different from anything i've experienced since then like yeah. i've i've talked about this on my podcast as well but he he was like the the man was an enigma he had <laughs> the weirdest mind i've ever come across um so i think there there were so many pop culture references. I think we walked through a field of flowers of some kind and we started getting dizzy. We came across Navi the Fairy from Legend of Zelda. Nice. Our Dragonborn party member was like, I'm so annoyed with this guy. Ate him. And then Navi was talking to us from his stomach. So we're like, okay, well, that didn't solve anything. <laughs> we eh? ended up Listen. fighting... We ended up fighting the uh the logo of Internet Explorer and the Firefox logo. Oh no. And then oh, the we Discord, boarded a
1: spaceship, oh, took my, off d- into My space. Discord just like froze for like a good yeah, 10 Yeah, same seconds. here.
0: What was that? Oh. I oh, don't know. Yeah, Discord just just flat out <laughs> died. Can you like,
1: rewind that 10 seconds? You ate your Dragonborn, right Dragonborn ate Navi. Right after
0: Dragonborn 8 Navi the ferry. Yeah. What happened? Weird.
2: Uh he ate Navi the ferry, we fought the Internet Explorer and Firefox logos. What? Uh, And then boarded a a spaceship, took off into space, and our barbarian killed the captain and skinned him. We're like, what the hell was happening here? It was just the most surreal experience. And I think after these first games, I was like, I am inspired to be a DM because I want to explore a more... A traditional fairy tale
1: role playing experience yeah. or fantasy role playing experience. I'm a sucker. For I mean, throwing, at least the
0: Barbarium is sort of true. But I'm
1: a sucker for throwing like references to things in my game. So like, there's there's Elder Scrolls references. There's there's uh, uh World of Warcraft references. I th- I have a book that I found online that converts uh, both World of Warcraft and Witcher three enemies into a five v like stat block, which is really cool. That I've kind of like took them took some things from. I'm a sucker for, oh, for references to, like, pop culture. That that fit the genre, of course. Like, I do. The I, I Also,
0: Witcher 3 is, I mean, a, a, well, the Witcher series in general is such a cool window into a completely different folklore that yeah. is so rich and, like, because a lot of the, the stuff from Witcher is drawn from, like, real, I think, Eastern European or, or Central European folklore, um... There's a lot of, like, how do I explain, like, groundedness to them? Like, for, in The Witcher specifically, you run into NPCs that are, like, uh, shaman or, you know, medicine men or whatever, and they all have their, like, um, kind of rituals and, like, superstitions, but they're real. And it's (laughs) like, oh, there really is. A druid living inside the tree or there really are three witches in the swamp that actually do control Eat. the fates of these people if they Eat don't children yeah. right and it's that that's really really interesting from yeah from the it's uh like but the, the thing with
1: um i guess it's like the comparison from like if you look at central slash eastern european folklore and compare it to like uh folklore from like america uh just look at the fuck the brothers Grimm, for instance it's all like super dark it's all like oh, yeah. super dark twisted uh you know like uh, i feel like in a like now for disney for instance disney has a couple of stories based on like grim fairy tales but they disney it up so like oh yeah, uh, mm. little mermaid actually has a happy ending whereas in the grim fairy tale book she fucking dies <laughs> you know oh, yeah. like
0: <laughs> yeah uh like snow snow white and the seven Doors. is a was that a grim grim fairy tale oh uh, maybe it uh, wasn't. maybe
1: it is if it's not grim it's definitely uh, eastern or like central european though yeah the, i mean the,
0: yeah it all all i guess in western culture i guess all real sort of long-lasting fairy tales are that central european vibe at least around mm. here i mean norse mythology and things like that i don't know if that's mythology not necessarily fairy tales but like mythology and folklore scandinavia is wild like that yeah. stuff is oh yeah and 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 uh Greek and Roman yeah, Greek mythology, Roma, as well as some yeah. very interesting stuff. You did stuff around, like, I, I really don't know much actually about classic, uh, I would say, like British Isles based folklore. Like, all because uh, you know, uh, Picts and like the I the, the sort of Celtic and Irish, uh, Gaelic, they all have very long, like deep roots here. So I imagine that there are some interesting ones. There's like I think Irish folklore about elves that that steal your shoes or something and like uh things like brownies and fairies and and stuff like that that live in forests and are all sort of tricksters and stuff like that. That's definitely a thing, but um I guess he, oh. because Britain I got I got some I got some part, yeah, some
1: folklore for you. Oh yeah? Just the, just a sample. From uh, folklore of London in the southeast, oh, uh, Mary and Eliza Chuckhart oh, Springhill Jack,
0: is a good oh, one. Oh, there you go.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, commonly known as the Bidenden Maids, were a pair of conjoined twins, supposedly born in Bidenden, Kent, England, in the year eleven hundred. Eleven hundred. They're said to have been joined at both shoulder and hip and they have lived for f- 34 years. It is claimed that on their death, they bequeathed five plots of land to the village known as the Bread and Cheese Lands. <laughs> <laughs> the income from these lands was used to pay uh, for an annual dole of food and drink to the poor every Easter. Um, since at least 70- 1775, the dole has included Benenden cakes, hard biscuits, imprinted with the image of two conjoined women.
0: That's so bizarre. What? Yeah. <laughs> wow. There you go. British folklore conjoined twins <laughs> from the 1100s.
2: Oh, um, and like my own background, I, I am a Mohawk uh, Canadian First Nations. Um, oh, and like, uh, yeah, something uh, what I like about. Well, I mean, there's plenty that I enjoy about my culture, but I've always been a fan of my stories from that culture because so few people know about them, except for like more modern day ones like the Wendigo people are familiar with. Yeah, From. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's becoming more pop culture, but that one even is more specifically Ojibwe, uh, which is another indigenous tribe in Canada. But like one one such folklore that I was going to throw in my game that didn't get far enough. So I'm fine revealing this information. There's uh, one of our legends is like the legend of the the flying head. And it's this cannibalistic witch that basically auto cannibalized themselves. So it was just like their head left and their hands left and they'd. They'd haunt the woods and just anybody they captured, they just mow them down. And they were described as like just these giant heads with uh, disembodied hands with giant claws and plates the size or eyes the size of dinner plates. And there's this one story about this monster where this woman is at home and she's roasting nuts on a fire. And she sees this creature watching her from her window. And Oh, oh, boy. To kind of trick it, she removes the nuts and instead throws stones on the fire and pretends to eat them. She's like, oh, these are the best things I've ever eaten. Right. And the creature's like, well, if they're that good, I need them. Flies into the room, sh- uh, grabs up the stones, throws it in its mouth and just screams and flies off. And it's just like, that's I guess quite, a story that, of...
0: Uh, that's quite classic... Subversion, actually, like Mm -hmm. even even worlds apart, where we've got like, um, oh man, Little Red Riding Hood, one fairy tale that I absolutely love. To the wolf, wolf yeah, whatever. Right, the Seven Billy Goats, or or Billy and the Seven Little Kids, or something like that, where the wolf comes around. And the wolf actually eats, like, all of these goats, but one of them hid really well. Yeah. And they they go out into the garden and they cut open the wolf and they pull out all of the goats and then they fill his belly with stones. So fucking yeah. fill
1: him with stones, yeah. And, like, I feel like Little Red Riding Hood, they dealt with the wolf really similarly, right? Then they, like, cut his I belly think, open I as well? I think
0: real Little Red Riding Hood ends yeah. badly i'm pretty uh, yeah, sure I mean, it's
1: eaten. a grim fairy tale so yeah yeah
0: <laughs> um like somehow she i mean i mean you know there's that classic like oh what big teeth do you have etc etc mm-hmm. and then she gets eaten Um, like yeah. I, I think maybe it got switched up where like the lumberjack comes and whatever but
1: cuts him open i'm pretty sure and take pulls him out again or some, some, oh, something oh right like right that. right and then fills yeah, there, fills his belly with stones and then chucks him down the well and he can't get out because he's heavy i think that's kind of how that how the oh interesting the, the pg version lot, of that goes a lot of stories of chopping stomachs open and putting stones yeah. a lot of rocks just a lot, <laughs> a lot of, of rocks, rocks a lot of, being of rocks eaten. Yeah, yeah being eaten Which, <laughs> whether it's uh, voluntary yeah, or not rocks end up yeah. in stomachs somehow <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> interesting though because i mean like i said like, worlds apart still that same sort of trick like tricking the big bad monster somehow and and mm-hmm. or you know that sort of trope of like oh this horrible evil monster just can't control its greed and is somehow unforgivably stupid as well mm-hmm. like oh cooking rocks on a fire but boy she pretended they were tasty they must be the best like <laughs> yeah yeah i no I, I think that's really interesting i imagine there's an untapped wealth of very interesting folklore from all reaches of uh, like first nations um and native american stuff like in general like that's i hadn't even considered that really obviously being in europe and obviously like the most sort of popularized uh fairy tales and and most published ones are all going to be from from here because back in the day you know when fairy tales are really a thing we were exporting when fairy culture when tales were real left right and center <laughs> yeah when they were real <laughs> yeah when when there really was a witch's cottage in the woods made of candy right yeah. but <laughs> yeah that's that's it's almost a shame i mean of course it's a huge shame that 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 sort of facet of of cultures kind of remained untapped because of um good old colonization baby <laughs> <laughs> yep. you'd love to but see yeah. it
2: yeah, not only history, but also, like, yeah, just list or go- going out and finding, like, other um, uh, legends and folklore from other cultures is, is a great way to get inspiration again as well. Because yeah. I know, like, if you start going to, like, Asian stories, those stories are so bizarre in comparison yeah. to Asia, everything we're used Asian to. Asian
1: folklore is fucking wild. And, like,
0: the classic theater tells it mm-hmm. in such a, an insane way as well. Mm. But what's what's really interesting about sort of tapping into, like into historical folklore outside of like real historic events is that you can obviously take inspiration from the monsters for um you know for creature ideas and things like that but it's also like they're so heavily tied into cultural um norms and rituals mm-hmm. that you can create and like a, a new culture within a DD world taking inspiration from from other folklore where they have these these different beliefs and rituals and stuff like that yeah, you know, of like people oh you all... have to do this or this monster yeah. will come all and dance like,
1: around dance around the well at midnight or else
0: yeah the, you all the, hold hands the... and dance around the christmas tree yeah <laughs> or krampus comes you know it's like yeah, exactly and 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 those customs and stuff especially in in sort of the the way that a story is told in D, you've got this group of adventurers they travel around and they're going to be new to these customs and it could be so easily put together that they didn't put their shoes outside the door before they went to bed because they're adventurers and so they have this encounter like Mm, yeah yeah. uh, there's there's a lot of like intrigue and re like some of it's so bizarre and yeah like Uh the further afield you go the weirder it's going to get and there's going to be so many different um yeah just just wealth of of creatures and and customs and, and culture out oh, there dude,
1: that that like this is like completely like pfft. but you mentioned krampus i mm. did that fight that i made the <laughs> i made i made my D group fight krampus around christmas then the first year we did dungeon select I was like oh it's gonna be fun like a little themed encounter but yeah, i made him like I uh, that one <laughs> i made him a what was he again he was a satyr who was cursed to every like winter's veil or whatever the hell i i call my christmas in DD i forgot i have it written down somewhere uh, <laughs> that he like is forced like turned into this like devil monster wearing a red coat with white like dressed up like Krampus like santa claus yeah. essentially and he goes around uh he gets zooped from the Feywild wild into the prime material plane to kidnap as many naughty people as possible stuff's them in a bag brings him back to the Feywild, wild and just eats him uh so it's hell yeah really fun i think you were there for that weren't you? i think pretty sure i Lausanne think so still there. yeah i think yeah.
0: so because it wasn't that Maybe maybe I mixed up what was never around in, the time they took City, candy from in from a baby.
1: Uh, no, that was the headless horseman.
0: Ah, uh, no, that was headless horseman.
1: Yeah, mm. but um, I don't. I don't.
0: I, that, it, yeah, it feels uh, familiar, but maybe I don't remember. I, I if I was still around, because I'm, I'm a sucker
1: for just like referen- referential, uh, uh, both combat encounters, but also just quests. Like I'll or like city design I like design a city completely to look like exactly like a place in the witcher because it's a fun reference and blah 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 i don't yeah. know i like i i like just kind of uh, showing praise for stuff that inspires me and helps me do this sort of things i don't know i like it a lot it's i'm a sucker also, for references I mean, and
0: stuff i think for a lot of players when it is things like warcraft or the witcher or elder scrolls etc we're all like we're all gamers yeah. So we can we can appreciate the reference and also the adaptation from how we're familiar with those characters to being in 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 the the world of D and D where the encounter is a little more intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, oh Jesus! I'm fiddling with all sorts of stuff on my desk and just throwing it all over the place. Um, right. So folklore and uh, fairy tales aside. Um, <laughs> We're we're here on our Dutch Dutch and my own, our live podcast, our baby past the salt. It's been around Hello. for a real long time. It has been, yeah. Uh, in various forms. Um, what was it that inspired you to jump into the world of podcasting? What when when was your first podcast? What was it about? Like what what's your whole podcast experience been like so far?
2: Well, so the um, not not only is what I do just the podcast, I like the. The Speak Dicely podcast is technically a branch of an overarching channel called Dicely D&D. Yeah. Um, the, the idea of which is I want to make it easier for people to get into 5th edition and to kind of encourage this idea of, like, a kinder gameplay. Um, that's, like, the pun of the entire thing is Dicely nicely, yeah. you know. I'm trying to keep that positive attitude. So, with uh in terms of the overall channel i just introduced this as of this past november um and i released an intro series on how, how uh, like that takes a new player and hopefully prepares them to get ready for their first game including yeah, I like I,
0: watched, I think i watched one of them one of the it's so, sort of i guess educational sort of videos just a, yeah. an introduction to dnd for a new player yeah
2: yeah, yeah. So I, like, take take players through, like, here's a character sheet. Here's where you're going to fill things out. Here's the information. And, like, I give links to all of, like, the free resources that exist that are official from D&D. So basically, you can go from nothing to ready to go. And then that was the first branch. The second branch I wanted to focus on was the podcast. So I created the Speak Dicely podcast. And Initially, I wanted to make Dungeon Master videos to help out Dungeon Masters. But as the podcast began rolling, I'm like, I guess in a way this kind of is the Dungeon Master help. So the first episode of that, I think, released in the first week of December. So a month after the channel started, the podcast was going and I'm releasing these episodes every Friday for now, at least. And I've. Thankfully, I've got a very supportive group of friends who have been helping me out. Like, they helped edit the scripts for the uh, the educational stuff. They've agreed to occasionally come in to be on episodes of the Speak Dicely podcast. And it's it's just been very nice. Um, like, I upload these things to YouTube. Um, I've been researching which hosting site would be the best, in on my budget anyway, to put the podcast on and then it branch out to other podcasts sites that have podcasts and everything has kind of been going smoothly thankfully because i've got friends who are already doing podcasts i'm getting their insights um and i've got all this support and it's it's just been a very fun experience
1: and i'm loving talking to all these new people that i'm meeting yeah expect uh once we get to moving uh once we get to campaign two for them to, like, expect me to like bombard you with questions like because we want to provide our D D sessions in podcast form as well so expect me to be your DMs by that time and just ask yeah. you about everything and how how to spread out podcasts. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> you know? right. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I'm totally happy to help
2: with that kind of thing. Like I've awesome, had the awesome. help co- I've had the help for myself on my end, so it's like just help like in in the creative space. Like I think <laughs> the big thing is just helping out other artists and like making sure that we can kind of step up together.
0: Cuz yeah, is important. I think that's that's yeah, something cool. that in sometimes can be easily missed i think as as streamers and uh youtubers and stuff like that especially in the gaming sphere games tend to be competitive and it tends mm-hmm. to be more about like competing with your peers not growing and supporting with and alongside working together so mm-hmm. that's it, and in the creative space i mean obviously there there are people competitive people in every branch of everything whether it's creative or otherwise and mm-hmm. uh I've been, you know, I've 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 been in music school and stuff like that alongside people who are incredibly competitive. And um, it usually doesn't go well because although they have a lot of their own drive, they tend to sort of lose the support of the people immediately around them because they're so competitive when those are the people that immediately are, they're gonna be the ones that can help you out. And that's like a hugely important. Mm-hmm. Um, aspect of any sort of creative industry is
1: that's uh, it's super cool to see as well like compared to all these other uh communities when it comes to like twitch especially but just like online entertainment i guess is a better better way of putting it if you look on twitter for instance if you cause if you tweet out anything DD related and use like the hashtag uh, right the right hashtags there's so many helpful people in that community that are like yes i want to support this i want to help this whatever Whereas you know, if you try that in like the competitive gaming scene, you just get told to go fuck yourself. You know? Straight up, <laughs> yeah,
0: straight up. I mean, so- I, there there are definitely, you know, there are definitely people in each community that would do the other, but yeah, 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 obviously. It, it, but- there's there's usually usually the vocal, or well, the most vocal people, in in more, yeah gaming and streaming and stuff like that it tends to be a little a little a little more toxic sometimes uh, a little yeah, more toxic yeah. little and then when you see the people that are like really positive and stuff like that it's like it feels really fake <laughs> and it's and that can in itself become quite jarring um even when it isn't like it, it it's almost strange to find someone with, with such a positive, positive attitude. all the yeah. fucking time uh, you know what i mean bottom frag dude we we had yeah. um our friend andy on the podcast a while ago, one of our first guests, one of the most positive people I've ever met in my life, and it was just Insane. like, I can't believe this guy streams and plays video games because, uh, it's like, he's my so positive, whatever he's so it's positive crazy. all all the time. Such a, I mean, fucking, it's, like,
1: I mean, he did switch up his content. To yes now he like he stopped streaming on Twitch altogether, and he has a YouTube channel and a podcast dedicated to like uh self-help making you become more productive yeah. stuff like that which fits it uh, fits his character a lot more yeah, for being this positive really guy and helpful guy all the time it, right. it, it, it it eventually it was like okay well maybe gaming isn't exactly for him and it, it turned out to be that thing we lost' a good one we lost a good one but now he's like creating all these like podcasts and videos that are yeah. all about uh, getting the most productive uh, getting getting in the right mindset for productive days and self-help as in uh, both mentally but also how can you organize your day better to be better at content creating or whatever it yeah. is that you do and stuff like that
0: oh That's i'm curious it up. uh since you're you you know like you, it's only been since november which oh that i say only it's already four <laughs> months now can you bef- can you believe it <laughs> um who uh who are your inspirations did you did you you say some of your friends if you want to do like any shout outs anything like that the people that really helped you out the people who who do podcasts that got you into this
2: uh yeah i mean sure um it's it's really odd i think a really odd shout out because um like i i started listening to podcasts more heavily like right before the pandemic started and dicely D had been something i'd been planning for like it had been in process for two years. Uh, I used to work on a channel called Below Pro Gaming, which was like video game Let's Plays. And I did do Twitch streaming with that channel as well. But I just, I wasn't finding the the fulfillment that I wanted out of it because then I was inspired by like Game Grumps and all that. And it's just it was Love clearly games. a very saturated yeah. um, line of content to be creating. And it's like, okay, well, I like Dungeons and Dragons. I'm going to start planning to make this a thing. And... In terms of the the overall channel, I was I was inspired by Critical Role, as many others are, I'm sure. Same, that's how it um, started, yeah. But I mean, it's like I don't I don't think I was too too heavily inspired by anybody to feel like I'm really copying anybody because no, like obviously. I'm doing an educational thing, a uh, a help thing, um, and I am in process of making a campaign, which I think will be more of in line with more inspired by Critical Role. But in terms of the podcast, I was actually inspired by a silly podcast called Doughboys, which is a couple of Hollywood guys who go to fast food franchises and just review them with guests. So they like go to Taco Bell and be like, I got the taco. What'd you think? I fucking love Taco Bell. And they're just, they're so funny. That sounds and so it's familiar.
1: Just, Why does that ring a bell? It... <laughs>
2: and it's it's a podcast very much for its own entertainment sake like it's not really helping anybody but damn are
0: they funny yeah right and it's that's how we feel
2: (laughs) yeah and and not that speak dicely is in any way just entertainment because i think we have great conversations that help with storytelling and uh and role playing and how to play the game um but I was inspired by their business, I guess, operation. It's like they're there because there's a lot of logistics you got to consider. Like, how many times do you got to record it? What is your release schedule? Um, what standard of quality of audio are you putting out there? And when it comes to podcast, audio has got to be the most important factor because that's, that's the thing that is. hits
0: people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's audio. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I mean, like yeah. exact like. content aside like obviously you you you, you've put together a a well put together podcast you've clearly got in mind i mean obviously the whole the whole brand you've got in mind um plans for it so yeah i was just curious because i i couldn't imagine you sort of stepping into the podcast space without some some sort of inspiration so i i will i will check out doughboys i listen to podcasts a lot uh i listen i'm to... just looking at
1: some of their podcast titles and there's one just called wendy's breakfast with the sloppy boys and i don't know why i find that <laughs> funny but it sounds fucking <laughs> hilarious I don't
0: know. um I, I listen to uh ear biscuits which is written link um mm. if you're yep. familiar and recently started listening to the guys from super mega after they split oh. from game grumps the actually i've been listening to older episodes so there are a couple where uh aaron hansen steps in and, and does a couple of podcasts yeah. with them as well and they are super funny and i have they are just my level of dumb humor as well. The pair of them that I yeah. I, I really do enjoy the Pooh, Super Mega Podcast poopy too.
1: Poopy, funny, loud, funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Super Mega yeah. Cast
2: is definitely a different level of comedy, but <laughs> I like I've listened to them for a long time too. And when I'm in the mood, it's like yeah, I'll go to those guys. They yeah. are funny.
0: Yeah, because they they are so childish, and it is hilarious <laughs> to me. That I'm. I sometimes think I'm funny and then you listen to like someone who really is funny and they just they say some funny shit I'm just like man. I wish I was that funny. Just yeah. That. I, w- I wish it was that. Yeah, right <laughs> Even if it is the <laughs> dumbest thing even if they really are just laughing at like this game is a bunch of poopy ass It's like that's <laughs> it, That's hilarious. Smothered in chocolate you smeared You over some <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, uh, uh, it's, it's a mood. Sometimes dude I mean, that's, sometimes yeah. that's all you need, man. Like that's sometimes that's that is my exactly mood, like eighty-five percent of the time. The other fifteen percent, I'm just crying and listening to in the aeroplane over the sea. That's really, it's sort of my two speeds <laughs> throughout the last year: is watching brainless YouTube and listening to sad music. You know, this this
2: is kind of off topic, but um, I also recommend "Tip of the Tongue" on YouTube which uh Sir Duke I think you'll be interested in this. It's uh a couple of guys who do voice acting work and radio work okay. and they just talk about things that are relevant to that. Like I as as a podcaster very much appreciate my voice and like to know how to use it better yeah. I guess Get the is most the way out to of put it. it.
0: Yeah. Well it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting you should mention that. So not long ago, I listened to, like, the very first episodes of All Work, No Play, which is...
1: Ooh, oh, ooh, oh, Discord, relax. Oh, not relax, again. Buddy.
0: Okay, we're good.
1: Are oh, we Are good? The very okay. first episode
0: of... All Work, No Play. So, Liam O'Brien and Sam Regal, but this is mm. from, like, 2012. And mm-hmm. they they are talking about, because obviously at the time, their main, uh, uh, probably still is, but their main hustle was, was voice acting and stuff like that. So, that, that was also a cool listen to get some... Um to get some perspective on that. Especially having watched a lot of the between the sheets and you get a little taste of the history of like everyone, so sort of the dynamic of the whole group and how they all met and stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. and then yeah, listening to this very first episode of the All Work No Play podcast and being like, Wow, they're they're so young and <laughs> they work so hard. <laughs> I gotta do more with my life. Like, <laughs> damn. But yeah, um, tip of the tongue. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm. I just sort of looked it up. Voice acting, auditioning. Hour, and oh yeah, hell, hell yeah, dude. For about hour forty-two episode about audition, auditions in general. Sounds like something I need right now. To be fair, so oh, I yeah. appreciate that. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a great resource. The guys are funny. Like I don't even remember
2: their names. It's been so long since I've listened to it.
1: <laughs> so um, with uh, Dicey D and D being like an overarching like umbrella that has like different types of content. Uh, obviously, uh, like the podcast takes a, a good chunk of your focus at the moment because uh, you put a lot of hours in that stuff. If I have to believe the Discord the <laughs> and the fact that you're like you uh, you're like four weeks ahead or something like that, three weeks ahead when it comes to uploading podcasts and like you're on the ball. Um, any other content avenues that you want to maybe someday? also dabble into like add that umbrella of content that you're already kind of providing any anything like on the radar that you're like oh maybe one day potentially i'll also do something like that or are you just completely focused on what you're doing right now
0: danny cosplay damn um that's
2: that's (laughs) a deep question um i mean i think right now i'm mostly putting my focus on on what's ahead of me i guess um because you're right the the, (laughs) yeah the podcast does take up a lot of my time currently um and uh, I'm I'm currently unemployed. Yeah, big wolf. Um, though I have I'm like I'm waiting to start a job. They, but with the pandemic, who knows when that'll be? I'm yeah. technically been hired, but meh. Um, oh, yeah, so yeah. I'm just putting all my time to my creative projects. And yeah, like you said, I'm like I'm a month and a half ahead of my schedule just because I want, like the next step is getting this campaign going, and I want to make sure that I'm not overloaded when that time comes cuz i have to gauge like what is the workflow now that i'm adding this extra step um
1: yeah yeah cuz you also mentioned when we were recording uh, that you are going to record those DD sessions right and potentially do something with that streaming wise as well i think
2: yeah yeah that's Hopefully. the plan like th- it's it's not just a campaign for fun it's going to be a campaign for entertainment and i've picked my cast Based on not only who I think are good players and who would get along, but also who understands uh the entertainment side. So it's not like I I've I've put it forward to them. Like, this game is meant for you guys to have fun. But I do I think you understand also the fact that we're going to be putting this out there, yeah. that this is also a show. So mm-hmm. and once once that gets going, I think what I foresee happening is is it might rotate every other week, like an episode of the game, an episode of the podcast, and then rotating like that. Yeah. That's that's my prediction of what's going to happen, but whether I
1: can actually balance it all, we'll see what happens. My, yeah, my dream... That,
0: that does sound like quite a workload. In, yeah, in, you can, in yeah. All yeah. Respect.
1: If you're ever looking for, you know, some guest spots or something, you could do this is all in. And,
2: and that is something I have been toying with as well. Like, I want to bring guest people in to ha- create, like... One shot characters for this overarching story, kind of like what yeah. you did with Celitate uh, Beanie, who I see in the uh, the chat there.
0: Also, yeah, we've had Heck a, yeah, a handful shot.
1: of guests uh, come and go over over the course of the campaign. We've had a um, a handful of people that like. Along.
0: Beanie never went. And
1: Beanie never left, yeah, but he stuck around. Typically, guests they will stick around for like two or three sessions, and then mm. kind of their character like moves on again and does something else, and they leave. Um, I don't. I like that. I like I like the idea of just bringing. A, a, a new character into the fold having them just kind of like aid the main party on the specific quest they're on because they happen to have a personal interest in that quest as well and then when the quest is done they just they just trot along and they go somewhere do yeah something it's else, like you know?
0: it's like a it, well it's kind of like a dmpc but they're a player so they aren't privy mm. to any of the details of the story and they they have a much more sort of pure interaction with the with the other players and stuff like that i think um <laughs> yeah. it's always nice to sort of rather than you know having a sort of npc is a MacGuffin, the 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 dm might might play or portray if you know someone who who could you yeah. know I'm free most of the time, for example. <laughs> um, it, yeah, no, it's absolutely great. It's always a great. And it's a great experience for the players, too, because yeah. I think people have sort of... There's definitely mixed feelings about DMPCs, um, probably for that same, same reason that the DM knows, obviously, the ins and outs of the quest. So it can be a little awkward playing a character in the party for even a limited amount of time. So, yeah, it's always nice having guests in. And obviously, it just freshens up the mood. And as as a player, you're always excited to see, like, who the guest is, what the character is going to be. And oftentimes, I mean, for us, it's been, like, uh, Natty and uh, Ecto and and um, James as well, who, like, we know outside of D&D. And then you get to see them. You get to see them play the game. And that's super cool. Yeah. That's always, like, that's something. It's like a bonding experience when you get to see someone, you know, role play a character in D and D. That's something special. Um,
1: There's one, like, dude. That was like Natty was by far the hardest guest to manage because he played a bad guy.
0: Yeah. He uh, oh. like mm. he
1: he helped the party with a quest, but secretly like led them to his lair and then. Him and his pet dragon that was resting there, like that's fucking yeah,
0: and poisoned the entire party's minds against changelings. I just want to put that out there. True, that is
1: a a, a side effect of
0: coming into the party as a changeling. It was an uphill battle for that reason. It was absolutely. They
1: definitely held some. They 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 were a little racist when it comes to changelings because they had one changeling join their party for a little bit and they fucked them over. So you know, like. natty made our pcs racist exactly beanie that is literally what happened. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, was a, that was a lot of fun though because me and natty were like in dms constantly like Dude, yeah like, don't do this don't do that make sure that you keep this you know it was really interesting like fun and um i don't know may i might do it again at some point but oh great differently that every guest that comes but, in uh, we're gonna be with knives <laughs> but yeah i mean like
2: bringing guests into a campaign like that now not only does it just it's nice to change the faces up but once they're gone you've now got an npc who exists in the world that is much more interesting and also takes some of the work off the dm it's just like okay well now that i know this npc is in this area there i don't know if if they and if the party ends up going back around to that place that's a thread that I can pick back up as the DM if that guest doesn't want to come back. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I had my players all got captured except for one. And what I did was I was like, okay, so the one player that escaped, you're going to go to the tavern next session looking for help to save the rest of your friends. Um, So everybody else make a replacement character and your quest is going to be to go save yourselves. Um, And after they completed that, everybody they'd made for this mission is now an npc that i've got control and now
1: has a stake in the world i yeah. discord uh shat the bet again but i'm assuming you said like the rest of the party rolled new characters and they went to go free themselves and that's uh that's exactly right okay. <laughs> there
0: you go i was gonna blanks. say dude this will be a fun game let's try filling the blanks <laughs> yeah um dude discord <laughs> playing up today dude about to yeah, is, out, uh, having a yeah discord is having a bad day i don't know um what are your what is one of your most cherished or memorable uh experiences uh with tabletop RPGs as a DM or playing?
2: The the end of my last campaign I think was one of my favorite moments in my tabletop role playing career. Um because I had never completed a campaign before and especially as the DM. I was like, how do you end a story? Uh How how do I ensure that everyone's satisfied with how this all went and like there was just a lot of anxiety and questions uh, about how this was going to go. So I went ham. I had Hmm. we I borrowed the system from. uh, Oh, dear. uh, Matt Colville's um, strongholds and followers. I think it is. It's not fully fleshed out, but they have these systems for or this mostly completed system for uh, warfare and I was like, all right, so you guys have built this army. Um, you can fund it to make it better with equipment, better with, uh, training. Um, and I'm going to build an army for the enemies and we're going to have that game on a table over here. And it basically, it's just a bunch of cards with stats on them, so stat blocks basically. Mm-hmm. And while that's going on, the player characters are going to be infiltrating the castle to go f- defeat the dragon that rules this army. Um, And so we would like spend one hour at one table, then an hour at the other table as they kind of managed both activities. That's sick. And that's great. And eventually they they beat the big bad. Um, One of the characters had been given the option to have power for this final conflict, but it would mean that they would ascend to Godhood and basically die. They would have to say goodbye to everybody. They couldn't tell them where they were going. and they're like yeah i'll accept that after discussing with everyone what would you do to ensure that we win this and everyone's like yeah we got it we got to sacrifice it all so they're like great so we had like players saying goodbye to other players and actually just weeping at what had happened players discovering that one one player character had been like kidnapped as a youth and was actually another player's uncle so they went back and like did this family tree business they're like wow and didn't find out until after they died like just the epilogue was so deep and it meant so much to everybody and i that i was just so happy with how happy all of my players i mean as
1: a as a dm like because our campaign is our campaign is like coming to an end i'm breaking it dude i'm like fuck Mm -hmm. how do i how do i end good there's Same. a couple of there's a couple of like threads going that will provide a very interesting post-final fight like ending where there's definitely some shit still needs still need to be discussed um uh but i'm shitting myself i'm like bro i cannot drop the ball now this has been a two and a half year dnd campaign if i bomb the ending i probably never want to dm again <laughs> You know, like I'm pricking it, bro. Oh, but man. you
0: have to because we're all so excited for campaign two. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What mm-hmm. has me anxious about the ending of the the coming campaign is the that kind of foreshadowing. Like, you kind of dropped a little. Like, oh well, the ending of this campaign is gonna really affect how campaign two goes. And like yeah. we're really dealing with like some big evil shit and it's like if we lose, the world could look very, very different yeah. for my wonderful little ranger building, that I've made to play. I'm like I'm Dunlain. building
1: the world now, assuming that you beat the big
0: bang. Oh, okay. but what if you don't? Well yeah. if you don't, then it's gonna be mm-hmm. another month waiting for you to fucking nah. or oh, throw out the nice world that I was building time for l- living time hellscape time for a
1: world where Orcus now rules the prime material plane. Yeah, you guys the have to zero find a way to free the world or
2: whatever yeah Lovely. That was a big worry I had, too, because same situation. Like, this campaign I'm planning right now, same setting. I was like, what
1: happens if they don't beat the dragon? Yeah. <laughs> do the, does Dragon's the dragon take over more? Yeah. yeah and, oh. oh, man. That's cool, though. Like, that also, in its way, because, like, what Beanie is saying in chat now is like, well, if we lose to Orcas, those campaigns will become a rebellion story. I mean, yeah, because Orcas yeah. will rule the world, and
0: oh. someone's going to have to stop them. We, <laughs> we do a... A Pathfinder campaign where we're just a bunch of, bunch f- of fucking, fucking peasants trying, farmers. Yeah. <laughs> trying to rebel against orcas. Yeah. Oh, man. Fuck no. Um,
1: Hell. Yeah.
0: No. It's like, Just
1: fucking win, please, okay? Thank yeah.
0: You. Well, f- listen, man. We're all in this together <laughs> at this point, dude. I'll do a song and dance about it and then you'll nice, have to let us nice. win. Fair Some enough, of my best bardic inspiration came about last session. Yeah. And I need to. I set that bar pretty high. I got to live up to that now. I was doing mm. Tenacious D revamped with. Oh, no, it wasn't even Tenacious D. It was. Uh, it was just no, Jack Black from School of Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to inspire yeah. someone. I can't remember who it was in the I party. Think <laughs> I think Nicole. I think Nicole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was like this like floating. I don't know why it was in my head, and I like threw it out like two minutes earlier. And then when it came to actually inspiring someone, I was like, oh, I'll just run with whatever song I just did. <laughs> oh man it's funny because you're pretty like um, you're pretty quick to
1: come up with like improv little yeah. inspiration bits so it's really funny like it's fun to see you play a bard because whenever yeah, you still, inspire someone I'm like okay how do you inspire them and you always yeah. manage to find a way to like I'm no, I'm no, well, uh, Sam Regal definitely songs. he
0: comes with prepared bits right when he's playing uh, yeah. Scanlon he definitely has like oh I'm gonna do this pop song but with these dumb lyrics and it's like yeah I could prepare that for each session. But it's still very, like... It's nerve-wracking, dude. (laughs) nerve-wracking to just sing for the homies to to get them asked, you know? (laughs) Oh, man. And also... First natural one performance check.
1: That's a bar. Since since Mm. I've joined
0: the campaign, I think I've had at least, like, a plus 12 to a lot of charisma checks. And now it's a plus 18. So... Getting a natural one, dude. That's it's
1: still a nineteen, but man, you rolled the that one, so you bombed that fucking yeah. performance.
0: That hurt. <laughs> that hurt.
1: Hey, man, it's part of the course, dude. Part of the course,
0: dude. I, I love. We have, we have this, this. Literally, it's like a Google Doc with like just five lines of text. But one of the questions is just, would you be willing to guess spot on Dungeon Select yeah. campaign two? How,
1: if we, you know, we we take guests, and that was gonna, I was gonna lead into that. Like, hey, man, listen. Oh you uh if because i i typically have a little bit of a document of people that i that i already approach before the well before the guest spots will happen like to to kind of gauge interest like would that be something you're interested in to have a little guest role on dungeon select when campaign two comes around play along for a few sessions and then dip out again
2: well if you're willing to take a chance on me i'd be happy to be there
1: hell yeah hell yeah (laughs) Absolutely. with the potential obviously to because to, for instance uh, uh james uh uh has played the same character but because the character lives in like the same city where the party's hq is uh he's he's been back for some for some guest spots whenever they were like back in town and they needed something done there so uh you know like th- guest spots i'm always open to like hey man if you ever want to come back because the party's in the neighborhood again yeah because like you like mentioned that.
0: before like you you have a player you, a guest come and play character that character is in the world as a much mm-hmm. more interesting uh, pc at that point so obviously as long as you don't die don't die don't die i'm sure you would be we've come not back. had a
1: guest die right no
0: no i don't think so no. i mean you know better than me but i assume all, of our not. Guests,
1: all of our guests survived all of our guests survived i'm pretty sure yeah
0: we haven't had it at all oh you won't have seen it yet Sounds like I'll need to uh break the pattern.
1: Maybe. I mean, <laughs> dude, I I would I was very I'm always very scared to kill characters, but it just kinda happens sometimes. It's part
0: I mean, of D D, isn't mm-hmm. it? Char- it
1: just kinda happens I mean, some I mean Natty dies because the, he was a bad guy. You is know? the podcast like on the, the, the attractive voice to
0: kill him. Yeah, I know you recorded the podcast and carry have you recorded the podcast and character to death?
1: Uh no, that one hasn't been recorded yet. That is one that oh. I signed myself up for though, I'm pretty sure that was one I would, oh, I would love to talk okay. about character death. And... yeah well, then, you did
0: mention that. When that yeah. one comes out, we'll be able to hear all about dealing with character death, because it is a it's very rough. real thing in D D. Yeah. And Soko I mean, knows it's... and well, I guess Koiba <laughs> as well, but at least Koiba <laughs> hasn't had to re-roll characters yet. Soko's also familiar with character death.
2: Yeah, Soko's I, very familiar. In your crew, Soko is basically the only one who has had to actually create a new character, uh, right? No, I mean, oh, with well, the exception of Laura.
1: Yeah, Laura found a fitting end for her character and just decided that it was time for her to retire and bring, back, bring in someone else. Soko is the only one that... Uh, well, Beanie also had the choice, but he chose to... I mean, I've re the character,
0: smile. <laughs>
1: he he chose to That's true. Uh, play my uh, like homebrew class, playtest my homebrew class instead, which involved him keeping his, his old character just altered.
0: Yeah, Dutch um, held him ransom. Pretty much. <laughs> you can keep Brand, but you have to play my class.
1: Yeah, but he's basically a World of Warcraft Death Knight now, bro. Isn't that fucking sick?
0: Come on. Yeah, I'll never he, forget it's... him constantly complaining, "I don't have any bonus actions." Like, who cares, dude? <laughs> Come
1: on. He has. He has a. He has a few now. Smile. I mean, it's it's interesting because
2: like you can handle character death in so many ways, whether that's mm. permanent or yeah, like the. The game itself has ways of just bringing people back from the dead anyway. Um, oh,
0: like, like that Matt Mercer class. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That is like a, a wandering soul, basically. Like it's a, a, a ghost that has unresolved business in life or whatever and can tag along with your party after death for however yeah, but long but like
1: the, they, they are a ghost so the party can't see them nor interact with them but the ghost can like possess people and it's like an actual yeah. like you know like medium style this is a ghost who hasn't been able to cross over yet because he has unfinished business here it's, it's on that the, what's that like it Mercer called made. guild or something like that I think so it's something wow. that Mercer made but never really like it's it never really, really got like published properly but it's, it's, it's out there it's really it's interesting.
0: interesting it's um yeah basically <laughs> I think he listed it as a death alternative but also (laughs) lingering
1: soul you you can write the character
0: to start as a lingering soul and and basically yeah um he he really stresses like this is this should not be like a choice for every player when they die. This should be very specific. Yeah, I have it open here. Like, the, if it, you...
1: It, like, the, the fine princess. Yeah. this is a complicated class the DM can offer as a choice upon character creation or offered by the DM when a player death is surrounded by enough violence or mystery to cause the soul to cling to the mortal world. Um, It can allow the continued play of a beloved character and resurrection is unavailable or as a reward for a party seeking to restore the narrative lost when a central figure has fallen. Um, It's basically... um. Uh, but it comes with so many like draws because
0: uh i dude if nicole had died and we hadn't man. wished him back he better he better have come back as a lingering soul because there was so much unfinished business hmm. like
1: but there's super there's a lot of like um so many like different th- Gimmicks that come with it. Like is it, at first level, you get something called spirit binding, where you basically have to select an object or creature of your choice uh to bind to indefinitely, which is basically something they have to be around within 150 feet at all times, or yeah, else your, they just your can't, anchor. Yeah, you're, you're basically you anchored anchor to the material plane. To, uh, yeah. to, the, to the material plane. And uh, t- it's interesting, but it's super complicated. It's like yeah. there's phantom callings are basically you can be a poltergeist or a wraith or a spirit guardian like all the typical ghost types that are that are out there
0: um it's wild great death alternative just uh if you haven't seen it definitely recommend looking at the lingering soul because it's yeah it's really interesting super complicated but like a really cool Mm -hmm. um if you got
1: some like experienced players class might be worth like giving it a try it looks it looks fun it looks very interesting Meanwhile we've got Celite Beanie in the chat. I also
2: want to point out that Matt Meister published a Totem of the Duck Barbarians. Yeah. So. I mean,
1: yes, but that was for um, what's his name? Napoleon Dynamite, the actor. Yeah. Who, yeah. Like he he played that, I'm pretty sure, on critical role. And it was That's... also like his first time playing DD. It's fucking funny. Those so brilliant. I'm sure you it's know, a it good
0: class good still. You could play it for real.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah. it's just a barbarian archetype, you know. Oh like, well, there you go. Way, it's, so it's playable. What's just for the fun of the deal? homebrew. It's a very funny homebrew. Because wasn't this guy, the guy's like backstory that he was raised by like a instead <laughs> of like not raised by a pack of wolves he was raised by a pack of ducks or something stupid like that it was fucking funny yeah <laughs> oh
0: it's i've so got funny. a button
1: for that hold on
0: oh there it nice. is there you go family of ducks dude um i've super funny I, I I think i mentioned this to you before and I never ended up sending it to you denny been trying it was trying to homebrew a warlock right yes just straight up like I mean, it's just Fathomless Warlock, but with Fire instead. But yeah, I, I definitely <laughs> need to figure out some of the class uh, traits and stuff because my next character I'm intending, the MacGuffin, uh, to sort of give it give some, some sort of narrative motivation early on is going to be related to some sort of Warlock uh, patron. And yeah, I mean, initially the inspiration for changing it up was that I didn't want to be like Ford. Now I'm a ranger. That worry isn't there so much anymore. But oh, dude, mm-hmm. I, I I do need to send you. I I have it in a, a Google Doc. It, it it was pretty much a copy paste and then just changing like the expanded spell list to be fire spells and changing up a little bit of the flavor. But yeah, um, ho- just homebrew classes in general is now I now I guess more than ever. It's it's definitely really interesting to sort of delve into into homebrew because because the base game is getting so diverse now you have so many different things to draw from especially um from a from a balance point of view it's very easy to sort of find equivalents when you're putting together like oh what what spell should be on my expanded spell list or what is a balanced sort of feature for a class to have a at, at low level so it's really it's a i think a good time to be doing homebrew uh in general yeah
1: yeah yeah I mean, it's just it's there's so much like even even um some of the things that like start off as homebrew or on on like dm's guild made by just like some random dm in his attic rooms like oh i'm gonna make this thing it ends up in like unearth arcana as like an actual thing and they actually get to like it's, it's crazy like there's so much stuff even the homebrew side of things that like gets seen by the right people and yeah. it ends up in like official source books down the line as well it's, it's kind of wild because if you look at even like core 5e compared to what is now available for 5e in in terms of like races classes um uh subclasses there is so much there's so much it's actually, yeah it's
0: core 5e starts to look bland when you really yeah. consider it like oh, it yeah. really is and i know and i know like when i was on talked i say i couldn't stop talking about tasha's cauldron because that thing is absolutely that that
1: is is amazing it's one of the better one of the better books that they've uh, yeah. they've, they've brought out for sure it for provides sure. a lot of options definitely and I, I think fifth edition uh
2: because it started so bland i think it quickly sparked that desire to homebrew like yeah there, there was everyone's like well they've introduced such basics it's like i want something a bit more niche like for the next campaign i'm doing one of the players is a warlock but they're like I want to feel like a support in a kind of way. And I was like, all right, so I've created this uh, uh, otherworldly patron called the Inquirer. So the the patron is about going out, finding knowledge and kind of reporting back. And the mechanics of how we're going to play it is they kind of like the um, the divine sorcerer where they kind of have a pool of dice to heal uh, i'm making this character more of like a slight clairvoyant where they can kind of see things in advance and we're going to be allowing them to give like temporary hit points to friends right to kind of protect them from incoming damage and in in doing so also gives the caster the chance to dodge attacks as well because it's like a shared cognizance i think is how we're referring right. to it as
0: uh, that yeah that sounds super interesting uh, warlock is is a, a great template really warlock for is
1: a great class as a dm to have one of your players play because there is so much story and roleplay potential there if you do it right and are you excited man, to be
0: dming two warlocks though
1: wait there's two warlocks hold up
0: well bell's gonna be <laughs> is she now genie warlock
1: that's gonna be very interesting
0: you didn't know oh, you've done two barbarians oh, you'll be fine know. well yeah but I two two barbarians is one thing but two otherworldly patrons and I feel like I they're gonna be very different too, because yeah.
1: But from a narrative perspective, I probably won't tackle both at the same time. No, obviously. it'll kind of be gradually. Like, it's like not gonna be like, a, like okay, everyone deafened while
0: I talk to Duke, and then okay, now everyone deafened right, while I exactly. talk to Bell. So it, no, that's not gonna happen. But there, I, I also think they're gonna be very uh, narratively different patrons as well, because like I said, I think she's planning on being a genie warlock, and uh, that looks
1: so fucking cool, though.
0: Well, unless it's an if uh, ifriti. In which case it could end up being remarkably similar because I'm going to mine a, a fire element. I just had a
1: little look by the way. Core D and D brought in nine races and currently available in all the D and D official source books, excluding the core ones. There's 35 that I got added late, later. Is that's that is including... like I guess
0: with sub races and stuff as well. Because like
1: that's including uh, the upcoming like dampier and and the stuff. Oh right, in yeah, the next book as well. Dang! Yeah, there's a there's there's a lot of races. That's that's just races. There's a lot yeah. of races now to pick from, and I can't believe I'd, I'd look, I looked and was like, wait, Goliath wasn't Core Five E? Hold up, <laughs> but it wasn't.
2: Yeah, surpri- It was uh, it was Volos. Yeah,
1: Volo wow. added a lot of stuff, though. Volo mm-hmm. added a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, it's, it's kind of, I, it, kind of no. It, it, like, like I said, it, Core Five E. I mean, it's the basics, right? It's the basics for a role playing game. You know, you've got. Humans, you got your elves, you got your dwarves, and and you've got you know the classes and s- couple of, couple of subclasses for every class, right? Maybe two or three subclasses for each class, but yeah.
1: I think core comes with like three subclasses for each class, typically. That's the, that's the norm, I think.
0: Mm. But um, now, yeah, now it's just an absolute clusterfuck of uh, it is. Of magic but it's also great because
1: there's there's so much variety. There's very very little chance that people play. uh... Because like, even if we have two warlocks, for instance, because there's so many different patrons and, oh boy, here we go yeah, again.
0: Discord's, Discord! Discord's acting up, dude.
1: God! I'm not happy about um, it. No, this isn't this is great. Hopefully it's fixed by Sunday because d ds going to be a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What I was saying was, like, even because of the fact that there's like 10 plus subclasses per, per, per class now, like, for instance, we have two barbarians, but they play a remotely different barbarian from each other. Even with two warlocks... That can also, the same thing, like, even though they're the same class, because yeah. the subclass is different, that could lead to such a variety of different... Especially, especially Warlock, because yeah. of the patrons. Like, even two mm. war, two Fiend Warlocks could still have completely different patrons, and, and uh, you know, so, like... I mean even looking worried. at
2: critical role like they've got in in a similar relationship they've got two clerics which are a player character who has a relationship with anotherworldly entity mm. Caduceus's relationship with the wild mother is vastly yeah, different from true. Jesters with, with with uh, the traveler yeah. and N- knowing what we know now like jester wanted to be a warlock and that relationship does feel
0: very warlocky yeah it's a lot more like yeah
1: that's what i've always like I'm, I'm not super caught up with but it also it always I don't like always
0: say small time but into i
1: always I kind of like whenever she's like because she, she even early on when she like tries to commune with the traveler uh, it's much more in a warlock sense than in i am gonna pray yeah sense, sometimes the homie me? does
0: just show up yeah you know it's kind of, it's struts kind of about. Um I wanted to ask something real quick uh, about the campaign mm-hmm. you're planning uh Danny so you said it's going to be is it going it's going to be live streamed
2: Um at first uh, I think it's just going to be pre-recorded right. as we figure out, like, the dynamics of the players, because not everybody has played together before, right. and I want to kind of lower the pressure of them figuring that out. But eventually we're going to move into live streaming it, I
0: think. Is it going to be... I assume, but obviously in times like these, you can never be sure, but I assume it's going to be in person?
2: No, I think I think it's, we're going to keep it um, kind of it's gonna be like online? this.
0: Right, okay. Yeah.
2: Um, because... Like even though all of me and my players are all in Canada, yeah, I I'm now like two hours away that's from big all country. of them. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a big country. That, that, that's dude. fair enough. I I because we talk, we touched a little bit on the difference between sort of playing in person and playing online, and it's um I've ne- I've never played a D and D campaign in person, and it's something I always envied. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I I was gonna ask like what what sort of complications are gonna come in because we've I think. You you see now. I mean, there are people. Obviously, Critical Role they had the whole socially distanced setup for Critical Role and stuff like that. Like, what what sort of what sort of setup you might you might be going into? But obviously, yeah, with the um, with you playing online, I guess that's not a worry at all. Uh, you just you just don't get the benefit of playing in person. I suppose. It's, it, it's yeah, a I played I played
1: the Indian person once, and it's it's so much better. <laughs> it's so fucking just fun to yeah. be around the same table, yelling stuff over each other and just like pogging at the role play dude it's sick Love but you, I,
0: you gotta you gotta be i guess i guess thankful for uh a, a game system that is yeah you, know, you, you really can be played in any way theater of the mind mm. you can play it online you can use roll 20 and battle maps and stuff like that in discord you can play it in person like it it's it's definitely a versatile system in that regard um but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm. Hopefully, hopefully, I'll catch some of it. I'm looking forward to it. Anyway,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely like that last campaign that I ran was at the table. Like the, in, the entire campaign, we had gotten to somebody's house. We'd just sit down and be able to feel the energy and the yeah. chemistry in the room. So it's, it's definitely a challenge to do this online. But like. It's it's a reality like it's, yeah. we can't really be in the same place. So I'm like, I'm planning for that. And as such, I've like started uh, getting my players like the equipment they need to make sure that they we can do this properly. Like I've landed webcams to some I've invested in audio equipment for some who didn't quite have the proper um, n- necessary equipment. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, I'm investing in making this work. Um, but if at some point once this crazy world kind of comes down i would love there to be an episode a session where we do happen to be able to get together i don't really have the filming equipment to make that work but i'll figure it out <laughs> yeah, for whenever I mean, yeah.
0: one one two good cameras i don't know i mean <laughs> that i that's actually quite a daunting prospect when you think about it it's very easy to do a video call you've got right off the bat, six camera angles or, or whatever, however many players there are, everyone's got their own camera, it's pointed at their face. That's all all you really need. Whereas when, when you're doing a session in person, you know, do you want shots of the table? Like how many cameras could you possibly want or have, you know, and and microphones yeah, like, too. Bringing it out well. bringing
1: out battle maps, you know, how yeah. do you get them frame? like filmed properly and, and, stuff and, like and that setting nice. up
0: microphones in a room full of people. Is, yeah. <sighs> like yeah, There
1: there are advantages to both of these. Yeah, and yeah, like sure. another
2: thing, another advantage I find in this is like I know I'm a very loud person, so like when I'm talking, if there are other mics recording, I'm likely getting picked up in their microphones <laughs> that, as yeah, well. that's
0: true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess if you make a, you know, a socially distant set, that's a little bit less worrying. You're well, just, the yeah, mics are all like but apart. then Condent you need more cameras because
2: everybody's going to be spaced out to get some shotgun mics or something like that. But. The, mm-hmm. There are there's so many logistics to think about in this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I've, sure. been, I've been doing online content creation for like three years. So I've I, I, I consider these things um, like on my channel. I do have a previously recorded campaign that me and some friends did years ago. Like this is. Not quite professional level, but it was a lot of fun. And we did record this in person. So I do have an idea mm. of what this would be like.
0: And, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, obviously, there's ever since Critical Role and even before Critical Role, there's plenty of examples as well to draw on from what kind of setup would, would, would work best. But, yeah, mm. um, like, like sure. you said, playing online has its advantages. It doesn't quite have that same interpersonal kind of like intimacy and investment and in chemistry but it's i mean it's it's still it's a good way to play yeah it's um i mean we've been doing well i've been doing it for a year dungeon selectors started actually look up
1: uh, september 23rd 2018 blah, 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 that's when we started 18 Man. right yeah 2018
0: that's been, a
1: long uh, time ago dude. i mean dude like and that's why i'm so like I'm, I, dude, I'm, I'm breaking it, bro, because it's yeah. about to end, and I need to conclude a almost three year campaign in a way where it's satisfying to both myself, the players. It would also be fun to have the audience that comes back every week to watch to yeah. find enjoyment and not be like, you know, not get a fucking final season of Game of Thrones situation where people fucking hated it, <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> yeah it's
1: a scary um it's it's not a fun i mean it's fun to be a dm right now but it's a very scary time to be a dm right now (laughs) yeah
2: i empathize with you so heavily because this sounds so much like me leading up to the end of my campaign so i feel you man
0: well you know it's it's funny when you were mentioning using the um that system for the for the the battle and the the party going to face the big bad like That sounds like almost a perfect system for what we actually have planned is going to happen at, um, I guess, the penultimate battle because we're not quite facing Orcus, but we will be facing, you know, we're going to be sieging a capital. There's going to be armies clashing. We've been, the the last few weeks, a few months even, have been essentially going around this kingdom and and gathering up a resistance army to face, you know, the army of the big bad. And uh, yeah, I was just thinking, like, man that's I, I, this sounds remarkably similar to like what we might end up going through like this yeah yeah oh man it's gonna be it's gonna be fun
1: sunday it's kind of like you know that's when shit's gonna kick off and i'm super nervous but also very excited yeah <laughs> just to see because you guys are a bunch of fucking dumb fucks sometimes so i'm really curious to see <laughs> Dude, how the hell no we are as a party no
0: you're only saying that no? because of the big hole that like like two people are a bunch of dumb fucks and they're just enough for fair, all of us fair i'm a genius fair.
1: but <laughs> but yeah um we are getting towards the, the time where we usually uh wrap up yeah but uh so... before we do that <laughs> denny i'm gonna pull a, a sean evans here i don't know if you watch hot ones but i'm gonna give you just a few minutes to plug the absolute fuck out of yourself oh great so
0: <laughs> floor is yours
2: Thank, thank you again for having me on here. Um, yeah, so my name is Denny Brandt. I'm the host of the Dicely D&D YouTube channel, as well as the accompanied Speak Dicely podcast um, on my YouTube channel of Dicely D&D. I've got an intro series designed to help new players uh, build a character and get ready for their first game. So head over to the YouTube to. speech (laughs) head over to the youtube (laughs) channel and check out that series if you've never played before and want to kind of get a grasp of the rules and get yourself prepared and then the speak dicely podcast uh it comes out every friday um at uh 8 a.m eastern which would be uh oh dear math 1 p.m 1 p.m 1 1 p.m gmt and uh 2 p.m uh Duchess time, <laughs>
1: yes. Central European. Yeah,
2: Central yeah. European. Okay, yeah. and um, yeah, so I I bring in guests who love tabletop, who are tabletop enthusiasts. I've got next Friday um, an episode with Koiba RNG, uh, Soko, who's in the or who was in the chat here. I don't know if he's still here, and Sir Duke Thirty Three here himself. We're going to be talking about character classes. I'm gonna. Um, I need to give that a watch
1: for sure when it comes out. It's gonna be a fun one.
2: At the end of next month, Duke and Celotate Beanie are going to be joining. No, nope. I'm glad you're still here, Soko. Um, Dutch and Celotate Beanie. Yeah, we.
0: But everyone makes that mistake.
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry. Duke, what did you I said say? Duke and Celotate Beanie. Oh, my apologies.
2: Everyone knows it. lot
0: Like
1: Duke and Dutch. <laughs> yeah. They're similar names, so like it happens a lot. Don't worry about it.
2: <laughs> Duke, Duke, Dutch, and Denny hanging out today. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but Dutch. Dutch and Celitate Beanie. Hello. We just had a conversation about uh, uh, world building, and that was enlightening. But yeah, like you said earlier, we we have very different ways of doing it. But I don't think there's a wrong way. Um, and like I've I've got so many other guests coming in. Like I recently had uh, One Page Mage, who specializes in one shots. I spoke with Eugene Marshall from Arcanist Press, who's created an entirely new system for race in D mm. anD D five e. And who've uh, make. Is that the end of my hot guests coming in recently? <laughs> Probably. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been a lot of fun. I've been talking to new people and a campaign hopefully coming soon, definitely at some point this year, hopefully within the next couple of months, um, to prove oh, yeah. that I actually do play Dungeons and Dragons instead <laughs> and of just, just talk talking about, about it. it. Nice, yeah.
1: nice.
0: What I do want to say, I just want to add on to that, is that like, I mean, other than hot guests, you have... Um, Pretty much every week, you'll have a selection of guests of, of varying experiences in varying systems of D and D. You talk about every aspect of D and D. Like we've uh, obviously Dutch and I, we've, we've been in the Dicey Discord now for uh, ever since we were sort of prepping to come on, and there's like a list, probably oh, I don't know, thirty plus. Maybe a little less items of different topics of D&D that you want to get into from different yeah, types a, a of monsters, of individual classes. So I, it, it really is whether you're new to D&D and you want to learn a little more, you you have a varying number of different takes about every facet of the world to learn about. And then on top of that, if you're a seasoned player, you get to hear other people's experiences that you can relate to. So it, it really is a, a great tabletop rpg Ooh, podcast for everyone that's for sure and i was on yeah it, so.
2: it all comes down to stories like that's what the, did you just count how many topics there
1: are beanie's You're saying 56 beanie. it's wow. funny because yeah, i saw okay. the ranger topic was like empty for the longest time oh it was so funny rip dude it's oh. finally someone that's like yeah i'll talk about ranger
2: <laughs> <laughs> um the only and- one <laughs> And I should mention as well, like as part of this podcast, I also uh search for questions from listeners as well. So if you want to submit a question to this podcast, speak dicely, my email is channel at gmail.com, or you can hit me up on Instagram or Twitter and just let me know if you want to have a shout out, because I'll shout you out as well when I read your question. And me and whatever guests I have will talk about the prompt you've given us.
1: Beautiful. There you go. There you nice. go exclamation mark dicely in chat exclamation and mark all the, dicely the
0: relevant links it's been an absolute pleasure having you
1: yeah it was a blast yeah. i hope you enjoyed it as well thanks for being here uh, this is great
2: this is a good time thank you for having me this is a lot of fun and i'm sorry it's much later for you guys than it is for
0: me right now i Absolutely. mean i'm about to, I'm about to get it's, drunk by overwatch so it's all <laughs> yeah it's
1: friday um
0: <laughs> all right with that i guess we can say thanks for watching everybody
1: yeah thanks so much for watching everyone um we'll be back next week with uh fuck knows honestly but uh, yeah whatever, check out Danny whatever the latest and, and greatest stuff. in gaming is I thanks problems. for watching if you're watching this on YouTube thank you as well much appreciated see you next time so, bye bye
0: thanks for running bye